morning again. Um, this summer we've been looking at some selected psalms uh, for our sermon series. David, um, the Old Testament shepherd boy turned king of Israel, he's written a number of the psalms that we've looked at together over this summer, and uh, this psalm is no different, um, Psalm 22. But through these psalms, maybe you can think back a little bit if you happen to have been here over the past few weeks. Um, We've been kind of all over the place. There have been times where we've seen David in deep reflection, um, pondering reality. We've we've seen David uh, in times of sadness. We've seen him in times of exuberant joy and praise. He's the one who wrote, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Uh, but the psalm we're looking at today, um, Psalm 22, Dave, we find David suffering. Um, and he was writing this piece of poetry, this hymn, this prayer, from a place of deep hurt um, and tremendous pain. And so we're going to consider together this the problem of pain, as the title of the, the sermon suggests, as we talk about this psalm. So I'm going to read it, and then I'll, I'll pray for us, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, let's read Psalm 22, beginning in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night... But I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him, and stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. 
For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him now and ask for his help. Gracious Father, we... We do come and we, we plead your help by your Spirit. Would you come now um, and allow us to hear your word, uh, not just the words of a man, but we need to hear your word. We need to be reminded this morning that when you open your mouth to speak, um, your word does not return to you void or empty but it accomplishes the purposes you set it forth. At the very beginning of time itself, um, you spoke and you called everything into being. And when your son walked this earth, it was by the power of his voice that he spoke to the lame and they were made to walk, to the blind and they were made to see, to the deaf and they were made to hear. He even spoke into the graves themselves and called the dead to life. Father, would you wake us up to life this morning through your word? Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Several years ago, there was a a movie starring Dennis Quaid called Vantage Point. I don't know if anybody saw it. It wasn't particularly a great movie. Uh, But Quaid in this movie played a Secret Service agent uh, who is trying to solve an attempted assassination on the, on the president. And um, what made this, inter- this movie interesting at all, I think, was that it covered a 20-minute a period of time from the attempted as- assassination to the solving the crime and apprehending those who were involved in it and so but the two hour but it was a two hour movie and it was a two hour movie because they kept retelling and retelling again and again this 20 minute period of time and each time they told it they were telling it from a different vantage point of a different character hence the title vantage point right and so and it was fascinating to see how all of these valuable different vantage points led to you being able to understand what actually happened in that moment of time. Each one was like another piece of the puzzle that you were putting together, and each one was necessary um, to solving the crime. Now, Psalm 22, um, Psalm 22 confronts us with the problem of pain and suffering in this world. And this morning... What I want to say up front is that each of us this morning are going to come to this problem of pain from a different vantage point. Um, For some of you, and here's what I mean, some of you this morning, you might say, I am in pain right now, right? I feel like my life is falling apart and things are, I'm watching everything crumble around me to pieces. Um, Or maybe you are coming from a different vantage point. Maybe you know someone who's in the midst of tremendous suffering and pain, and they're in the middle of it, and you need to know how to be a faithful friend to that person in the midst of their pain. Or, Or maybe 
you feel like your life is all roses right now, um, that it's never been better. And, um, but listen, intense suffering in your life might very well be right around the corner, and you don't even know it yet, right? None of us escape this broken life untouched by the problem of pain. Um, or maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're a Christian and you feel a tremendous amount of false guilt over what you're sensing and the pain you feel. And you think, if I was a better Christian, I wouldn't be so anxious. I wouldn't be so scared. I wouldn't be so hurt right now. Or maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe a big reason you're not a Christian is because you're suspicious that Christianity is some kind of escapism from dealing with the harsh realities that this life has to offer us. Um, Honestly, we could go on and on about different vantage points, but my point is that no matter your vantage point, um, this psalm and this discussion of the problem of pain has something to say to each of us if we're willing to listen. So I want to jump right in with my, my points for this morning, and here are the things that I want us to talk about from Psalm 22. I want us to talk about the question that shows up in our pain. And then I want us to talk about the silence we often experience in pain. And then finally, I want us to talk about the answer that comes through pain. All right, the question in pain, the silence in pain, and then finally, the answer through pain. Uh, First, let's talk about the question in pain. We hear the question in pain in the very first in the very first verse of this psalm. And it is the question that anyone who has gone through pain can readily identify with. It's very simple. Why? Right? Why is this happening? Why is my life falling apart? Why am I going through this? Why this suffering? Why this pain? Verse 1, the psalmist writes, David writes, My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? You read through this psalm, Psalm 22, and I'm going to give you some highlights pretty quick. It's a long psalm that we read. But listen, you get a picture of incredibly intense suffering and pain. It's not ignored or trivialized, right? There's no sentimental escapism here for David. Right, see the intense rejection that he experiences. Verse 6, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. And add to that the intense physical anguish he feels. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. My strength dried up. My, my tongue sticks to my jaws. I can count all my bones. And then you add on top of that the intense loneliness that he feels in the midst of his suffering and pain. Verse 11, trouble is near and there is none to help. No one to help. Real isolation. And throughout throughout this whole thing, the pain is incredibly and intensely public. Verse 7, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Verse 12, many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. And so on. And here's what here's what I'm trying to get to this morning. The question that instinctively rises to the surface in pain is why? 
Right? What, com- what comes out of the isolating, physical, emotionally, publicly humiliating and crushing pain is the question, why? Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? See, when pain comes into your life, when it cuts into your life, when it stabs into your world, right? when suffering just rips into your experience, that's the question we instinctively and reflexively ask and cry and shout even. Why? Right? When you hear the doctor's diagnosis, or when the business you've given yourself to for the past 20 years cuts you loose, or when things are falling apart in your home with your spouse or your children, or when your friendships are suffering and you've been rejected and disappointed and you feel passed over and you feel forgotten, we instinctively and reflexively ask, why? Let me ask this question. Why do we ask why, right? Why is that the question that comes out in our pain? Several years ago, I had this conversation with one of my kids, and um, some of you parents have had very similar conversations with yours, although the details may be different. Um, One morning, I was getting ready to leave the house and go to work, and I was in my room, and I was putting on my jacket, and one of my kids came in the room and asked, what you doing, Daddy? And I said, well, I'm putting on my jacket. And then this child said, why? And I said, "Um, because I'm getting ready to go to the church. And she said, why? And I said, because that's my job. She said, why? And I said, well, because, you know, God made Daddy to work. I started getting a little theological on her, right? Um, She said, why? (laughs) Because that's how God provides for us, so we can eat and have a place to live. Why? Because that's what God called me to do. Why? You're grounded. Um, You know, know, a a 30-second conversation at best, right, with a five-year-old. And with a one-word question, all of a sudden I'm like questioning my calling and I need to sit down with my wife and and talk about these things. Um, Here's my point. Why questions? The why questions, those are the hard questions of life, Right? Because they just keep on digging. And they dig beneath the surface and beneath the circumstances. They're driving deep to find out the cause, the source, the root. Why questions are about trying to comprehend and make sense out of the world around us, right? About things that don't make sense to us, like suffering and pain. Why? That's the question we instinctively and reflexively ask. Why do we ask why in those moments? Because we're human beings. Right? Because deep down, we know that pain is not right. It is an unwelcome intruder into this world. Instinctively, we know that we are not built for pain and suffering. Right, The things described in this psalm and the things that keep you from sleeping at night and the things that cause you to break down in tears and the things that cause your, your stomach to be in knots and cause you to grit your teeth and clench your fists, 
Those kind of things, the things that make you afraid. Listen, we instinctively ask why because we know this is not the way life was meant to be. And you know what I think the Bible is saying here in Psalm 22? It's saying it's okay. And it's normal to admit real pain. And to cry and to shout why. And I think we can, even in this first point, find some comfort in this. This psalm is saying that it's completely legitimate for you and me to cry out to God in the midst of suffering. Why? Because pain and suffering isn't normal. It's not the way it's meant to be. All right, why? That's the question we ask in pain. Um, But second, I want us to think about the silence in pain. Um, It's difficult enough that pain is this unwelcome intruder into our world that falls into our lives. But the psalmist is saying things can definitely get worse from there. Here's what he's saying. In the midst of pain, in the midst of his most desperate need, he was met with silence. When he cried out, there was no answer. When he cried out, there was no reply. There was silence. Crickets. Nothing, right? And I've been there, and I know many of you in this room have been there too, where you're desperate for an answer. Right? You're desperate for a reason for this pain. But all you get is silence back. It's more than just... What we're talking about here, it's more than even just feeling like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I mean, the silence feels as if God has turned His back on you. In the midst of your deepest and darkest moment of need. In verse 1, the psalmist doesn't just say, God, why have you forsaken me? Notice he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what the Bible would call covenant language. God had made a covenant promise to his people and it went like this. I will be your God and you will be my people. And the psalmist was saying, I'm clinging to your promise, but in the midst of it, I feel forsaken. And I feel forgotten and I feel like you are so far away from me and far from saving me. And the stinging reality is verse 2. I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. In the experience of pain, it often feels that at the moment you most need God to be there, you are met with deafening silence. And many of us in this room have been there, and you might even be there this morning, in the silence. Some of you bookworms, you know that I stole the title for the sermon this morning from a book that C.S. Lewis wrote called The Problem of Pain. Um, It's a really good book. You ought to read it. It's got a lot of philosophizing and theologizing about the problem of pain. But here's what I want to tell you. After Lewis wrote that book, He met a woman named Joy Davidman, and he fell in love with her. And despite the fact that she had cancer, and it was most likely going to return and take her life, they got married. They got married, and then the cancer went into remission, and they had a couple of great and wonderful years together. But then the cancer came back with a vengeance, and she died. And here's the thing. In that moment... 
all the abstract philosophizing and theologizing about the problem of pain, it didn't help Lewis. Right? When pain comes crashing down in real time, in real experience, for Lewis, it crushed him and it left him in the dust. And so he wrote another book. And that book is A Grief Observed. And it's basically a journaling of his process through his loss and through his pain and through his suffering. Let me just read you a quote and think about this, the silence in pain. He says, meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing Him, so happy that you are tempted to feel His claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to Him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to Him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face. And a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so at once. And that seeming was as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent to help in our time of trouble. C.S. Lewis, great thinker, philosopher, theologian, in the midst of real pain, he faced emphatic, deafening silence. Lewis and the psalmist are saying that oftentimes it gets way worse before it gets better. Oftentimes in pain, it feels as if God has turned His back on us all together and walked away from His promise to us, His covenant. So desperate are we for an answer to that question why? Here's what happens. We start listening really, really hard to the silence. And here's what I mean. One great philosopher, C.S. Lewis, on to another. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Um, My wife is not a fan, but... Sometimes a little Jimmy Buffett hits the spot. But um, Buffett, he has this great chorus in one of his songs, and it goes like this. If the phone doesn't ring, you'll know that it's me. I'll be in the eye of the storm. If the phone doesn't ring, you'll know that it's me. He's singing about this ended relationship and the deafening message of silence when the phone no longer rings, right? What's the message he's saying when the phone stops ringing? You're left listening really, really hard to that message. Does it mean you don't care anymore? That you don't love me? That I don't matter anymore? That you're no longer interested in me? Listen, the first two points feel harsh, I know. The question, the silence and the pain, but there's something comforting in reading through these psalms that communicate that the things we feel in our, in our suffering. Even when we're left asking all those questions and listening so hard to the silence, right? They say to us, we're not alone. I mean, David felt this too. He asked the question why just like we do. 
And he was struggling with the deafening message of silence too. You aren't alone. In fact, someone even greater than David felt and experienced these things. And for that, we turn to the last point. So finally, the answer through pain. In the first point, we described some of what was happening, right? There's this intense, we said public rejection, loneliness, pain, and suffering that he's experiencing, right? But listen, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David wrote about his experience, his very real experience. But he even wrote beyond his own experience um, to the experience of someone else. Because Psalm 22, it describes a public execution. Right, when you get down to verse 16, we read, They pierced my hands and feet, and I can count all my bones, and they stare and gloat over me. Verse 18, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots, which was the practice of that day in a public execution. Right, the executioners cast lots for the criminal's clothing. And many of you saw that as soon as we read the psalm, and what's more, many of you recognize the very beginning of the psalm immediately, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because those were the words Jesus cried out with his final breath when he was hanging on the cross and when he was being publicly executed. See, in Jesus' day, there were no divisions of uh, chapters or verses in the Bible. And so if you wanted to reference, say, a specific psalm, you wouldn't say Psalm 22. You would just quote the first line of the psalm. And your hearers wouldn't know what you were referencing. And when Jesus quoted the beginning of Psalm 22 on the cross, He was saying, this psalm wasn't just about David. This whole psalm, He's saying, is about me. Let me put it to you another way. To all those who saw Jesus on the cross, to all those who stared and gloated over Him. Jesus was saying, if you want to know what I came into this world to do, and if you want to know why I'm hanging on the cross, go read Psalm 22. And if you want to see what Jesus' real pain was all about, notice this. We can talk about the physical agony of Jesus' crucifixion. He can see all his bones. His bones are out of joint. His pierced hands and his feet. We can get very specific and graphic and detailed about the physical pain in such a way that would turn your stomach upside down. But listen to me. On the cross, Jesus was not crying out, my hands, my hands. My feet, my feet. My body, my body. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because to him, that was the ultimate horror and the ultimate pain and the ultimate agony. Throughout eternity, he had a perfect, loving relationship with his father. And on the cross, he lost his father. And his father really and truly forsook him. He lost his father's loving face and he got his back instead. He got his wrath instead. I wish we had more time to look at some of the details in this psalm this morning. But the end of this psalm is amazing when you look at it. Remember, Jesus is saying this whole psalm is about him. And so what's really amazing 
is that in verse 20 and 21, Jesus is crying out for deliverance. But then all of a sudden, in verse 22, he starts talking like it's already happened, right? All of a sudden, he says, I will tell your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And then he's talking about feasting and worshiping. And he's talking about all the nations being converted. From death to life, from agonizing pain to a feast, from being cut off to all things are being put back together, right? You know, there is often mystery in your pain and mine in this life. Um, We know we weren't made for pain and suffering. And so we ask why. We cry out why. But the mystery of Jesus' suffering and pain, it has been revealed to us. In Him, there was no sin. He wasn't a criminal, but He became sin for you and me. He was crucified and forsaken in our place. Why? So that through His pain, He might put the whole world and you back together And give you the life you were meant to have. See, the answer of the gospel isn't deliverance from pain. But deliverance through pain. Deliverance through the one who took ultimate pain for us. And who was truly forsaken by his father. Years ago, um, Jennifer was gone one night. And I was at home uh, parenting. uh, Not babysitting, I'm told. Um, And... Being the good parent that I am, I, I let my four-year-old daughter stay up late with me and uh, to watch some edifying television. Um, American Idol is what we were watching. It was, it was still kind of cool back then. It was years ago. Um, and I remember it like it was yesterday um, because we're sitting there and she's four years old and we're watching this particular episode of American Idol where they're raising money for children in Africa, and children who are dying from AIDS and malaria, and children who are starving, and so there was all this heartbreaking footage. I still, I don't know why I let her watch that, but at one point there was a, this close-up of this little boy, and he was crying, and his the tears were like cutting these tracks through the dust on his cheeks, and. So my daughter broke the silence and she asked me why he was crying. And um, not thinking she would understand malaria or or AIDS, I just said, well, he's got a boo-boo, you know. And immediately, I mean, one second later, she just asked, well, is Jesus going to make it all better? Do you know how good it is To have an answer for that. See, the whole Bible is saying, yes, it won't always be like this. One day, someday, you'll get the life you are made to have. For those who rest in Jesus, one day, someday, God will wipe away every tear. And there will be no more mourning or death or crying or pain. Why? Because Jesus came. Because God Himself entered into our pain. Ultimate pain. He went through ultimate pain and rejection and loneliness and suffering to deliver you. Let me me tell you a question that 
every one of my kids, I got four of them, have asked me at one point. Um, when I'm putting them to bed, usually is when these questions come out. But um, they've all asked me at some point, Daddy, do I have two dads? And I remember the first time I heard that question, I was thinking, Jennifer and I are going to have to have a conversation later. Um, but then, but listen, then my kids, every one of them have helped me understand. They kept hearing us talk about God being our Father and praying to our Father in Heaven. Do I have two dads? Yes. And one is so much better than the other. Do you know what you need to make it through suffering and pain in your life? You can't and you won't make it through your suffering and pain alone. You can't. And this psalm is saying, even if all your friends fail you and forsake you, and even if your parents fail you and disappoint you, and they will, and even if your spouse has rejected you and humiliated you, and even if your church has misunderstood you and failed you and let you down, in Jesus, you have someone who understands you. He was utterly alone, rejected, exposed, and humiliated. And He calls you. He calls you in verse 22 of this psalm, His family, His brother. And listen, when Jesus is your brother and God is your Father, you can never be alone in this life. Listen, there there is no escaping the harsh reality of pain and suffering in this life. And you might be there today, or maybe you'll be there tomorrow. And when it comes, you'll instinctively ask, along with me, why? And there will be times when you and I have to sit in silence. And there will be times in your life when you will feel forsaken. And you will feel like God is far from you. But this psalm is saying, if Jesus is your brother and God is your father, you can only ever feel forsaken in this life. You will never be forsaken in this life because He was forsaken in your place for you. The problem of pain is a real problem. We know we weren't meant for this. But if you search every other religion in the world, you will not find a God anywhere close to this God. A God who left glory to enter into ultimate pain so He could deliver you through it. In verse 2, Jesus said this, I cry by night, but I find no rest. On the cross, He came and He lost rest. And He lost peace so He could give you full rest and peace in Himself. Run to Him who loves you. Run to the One who came to put you and the whole world back together again and find rest in Him. Let's pray together.